Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rail Group On Air, presented by Railway Age and Railway Track and Structures magazines and International Railway Journal. I'm your host, Bill Wilson, and I am the editor-in-chief of RTNS Magazine, and welcome to another podcast. This is Rail Group On Air. Hello again, everyone. It's Bill Wilson, Editor-in-Chief of Railway Track and Structures Media. And it is that time of year again where we celebrate the RTNS top projects of the year. We really should have a name for this time of year. You know, the, the auto dealerships, the car manufacturers, they always have names for certain times of year. Like Lexus has a December to Remember and Toyota has Toyotathon. This deserves a name. It's been around for three months, or three months, three years already, and it deserves a name. It deserves, like, the RTNS Top Projects Time or something not as lame as that, but you get my drift. Our first project on the Showcase Showdown is the Midcoast Corridor Projects out in San Diego, California. Now, this project was the Lollapalooza of Engineering Entertainment. In one area, you had the complexities of the Rose Creek flyover bridge. In another area, you had an aerial structure which crossed over I-5 twice. Then you had the work delays at the beginning, which led to a rewrite of a portion of the North County Transit District's Roadway Worker Protection Handbook. The challenges ran like crazy on this job. I had the opportunity to talk to Eric Miesgeier who is the project manager for Midcoast Transit Constructors, and they handled the prime contractor duties for the Midcoast Corridor projects. So here it is, my interview with Eric Miesgeier. So talk about this project. A um, lot of complexities in this job, uh, covers a lot of ground. Um, looking at the Nomination form. I would. I do want to address. You know, it did. It does mention the rough terrain. Can you talk about? Well, first of all, just given if you can maybe give an overview of the project, and then maybe go into uh, the terrain that made things a challenge. So the the project. So the project is technically um, eight different projects, but the 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 backbone is the the what they call a trolley here in San Diego light rail extension um and it is it is 12 mile 12 mile an extension and then um another four miles of upgrades on the existing alignment and um most of it was um in existing heavy rail light right away um with up to 60 trains a day passing through our job site um and um you know kind of dedicated dedicated right away tight tight corridor the north we call it the north half but by distance it's closer to like 25 30 percent was all elevated structures through um you know alongside um i-5 kind of through some pretty high priced areas so um just real tight uh working constraints and talk did the how did the terrain come into play what would have been, was it more, was that more just the busy routes or did you actually have uh, geography that came into play that made it a little 
challenge? Well, there. So south end of the job, we cross the San Diego River, and then there's um, another um, creek, which during the rainy season is actually uh, quite full um, that we crossed uh, four times. So I mean, it's really going over uh, creeks and a river and, um, you know, kind of working down um, south end, the railroad corridor somewhat in a, in a, in a, they call it Rose Canyon. So in a canyon, so it's, it's, you know, again, it's, it's access. It's not like we're working on the side of a mountain or anything like that though. Right. Talk about how you dealt with that challenge of having you're know, you're working in an active corridor and you had as many as 60 trains moving through a day i mean how do you really focus on the work and get work done when there's that much action through the course of a day yeah so it's all just um you know planning your work and being prepared to work we had a you know daily briefing with the eic kind of talk about um track protection um we also worked with uh, NCTD to um, modify um, kind of some of the rules. Um, we were able to, if we were uh, outside the foul, um, normally they would say if you're on the property at all um, and the train comes by, you got to stop. We were able in some activities to convince them, you know, after after working with them for a couple years that, um, we could keep on working. Now, what we had to do is we had to put up a, a, a barrier to show we were outside the, the foul, and then that was only activities that, you know, really couldn't foul the tracks, like earthwork. I mean, anything with a crate or something like that would still have the um, still have the opportunity to foul the track. So we work with NCTD to try to um, kind of keep as much going as possible. There's also series of what they call AWWs every year, um, all work windows where they shut down the track, basically the whole corridor up to Oceanside and, you know, they allowed all these different contracts to go. So we maximized our shutdowns and got us, you know, basically we worked the whole, the whole corridor that, you know, was our job site during that, um, you know, and that helped from a production standpoint because um, you're not stopping for trains. How often did you have those AWWs? Um, there were seven or eight of those a year, I think in total, we had like 55, you know, and those, those start like Friday night, midnight and go into, you know, first thing, 1am, 2am Monday morning. So we worked, um, you know, multi we worked 24 hours or, you know, every hour available with crews, you know, multiple shifts and night times, you know, just, in, you know, it's really just about planning your work and, um, hour by hour schedules having um, you know standby equipment in case something breaks so you can just maximize what you can get done during that window. Talk about the Rose Creek Flyover Bridge that was built to create a great separation between the new light rail and existing heavy rail tracks and I guess it was a pretty complicated bridge. Yeah it was um, the the bridge itself was mostly a precast bridge what was complicated was um, we had to do multiple shoe flies to get the, the train, the heavy rail traffic through there while we were building it. So it was built in, in multiple phases. So we put in some some drilled shafts, some foundations and columns, and then we did a shoe fly, moved the, moved the, the rail over a little bit so we can get to the rest of the, um, the foundations and columns. 
and then um, from there um, started, you know, setting girders. But, you know, that all had to happen um, during AWW. So it was really – there was heavy influence from rail traffic for that structure and, and you know, kind of just moving moving the rail around, the, you know, the active rail um, so that we can get to all the different elements at work. And then, of course, we do a shoe fly and you build track and then during the AWW you shift it into place. You know, just just so that we can, you know, because in some cases, to get the equipment in there to actually, you know, do the drilled shaft, we needed um, more space. Do you know how many shoe flies you had to construct? Um, we probably job wide, we probably had like six major ones. And that was for the flyover bridge. No, or that would that be total? that's okay. total. Okay, um, and you also had to construct a light rail viaduct that crossed over I-5 twice. Do you want to talk about that structure as well? Yeah, so those were uh, both um, cast in place, so, um, you know, false work, um, you know, and closures of I-5. So, you know, basically we would do start with some lane closures, and then um, at some point, though, we'd have to do a full closure um, to install the false work. Um, and then um, Caltrans requires a full closure when we're pouring the pouring the concrete as well. So there was in total on this job probably close to 30 million pounds of, of false work that we used. Um, so a lot of a lot of elevated structures being built all at the same time. Um, but for those two crossings, um, you know, we just had to coordinate with uh, Caltrans and do do a combination of lane closures and full full. Uh, I-5 closures and, you know, of course, run the detour um, through Caltrans, get approval for that. You know, Caltrans was a a great partner in all this and, um, you know, worked with us to, to get that done. So some of the bridges are, are pre-cast and some are cast in place. Was was there a reason behind that or uh, was there a reason why you didn't do all pre-cast or, or yeah, so we did precast like the the flyover that would have been very difficult to do um cast in place because um just the the false work, you know, it would have been difficult to get um you know, an envelope for the the crane or the train to get through. So that was the the driver there would have, um up on the north end um so the viaduct you know, really got separated into, we call it three separate bridges, but it's really all one bridge. But the, the north or the, the terminus section is, we call it the Genesee um, Viaduct because it's running down the center of Genesee Avenue. And um, so they wanted to um, minimize, they being Sandag, city of San Diego, wanted to minimize the impacts to the public so originally we were going to build the bridge and then do a road widening after afterwards. They want they wanted to switch that and do a a road widening prior to building the structure. Um, so that extended the overall schedule. So to um, bring the schedule back into the you know um, the originally anticipated schedule, we changed that structure to a precast structure. And at one spot, you had to use a two-tiered phosphoric system. That was with the bridge that uh, crossed I-5 twice. Is that common to do a two-tiered phosphoric system? Um, explain how that worked and, and the challenge behind that. Um, so, yeah, I think 
really a big part of that was the the overall height um of the structure from i5 um so um you know false works not my my expertise we had um you know structures manager and three on-site um you know false work designers so they i mean they did a great job again there's 30 million pounds of false work on designing everything so you know it's just a lot of parts and pieces to to put up and, and you know again you got to do that at um at night with the with the with the five clothes so logistically there's you know a lot of challenges to get that put into place and taken down what do you think is the biggest challenge to put that in place the the false work yeah um i mean it's just you know anytime you're closing the freeway you've got short windows and and you know, you got to get it opened up at a certain time. Caltrans has something called lane charts. You got to follow the lane charts, you know, and you got a window, and so you got to hit those windows. So to do that, we we do hour by hour planning. Um, you know, monitor it the whole the whole time, and you know, have contingency plans. So that, that's really the biggest challenge is those the short windows. So you constructed nine heavy rail bridges and. Uh... They have to be able to withstand, you know, a seismic event. Uh, do you want to talk about, was there a particular heavy rail bridge that was a challenge more so than the others? And just talk about, um, you know, building to withstand that seismic event. So the the that was all handled, you know, through the designers. This is um, CMGC, so we did not do the design. But um, Really, the biggest or the the most significant um, heavy rail structure we had was um, the, San, the the one that crossed San Diego River, and um, so really on the heavy rail side there was an existing um, line. So we built um, a new um, you know rail full bridge um, you know at grade off to um, you know, in, in job site directions, west side. Once we got that all built, we took the existing traffic and moved it over onto the what we just built and then built um, a, um, you know, tore, tore out was an existing and um, built new bridges and a new guideway, like in, in the footprint of where it was before. Um, so really the staging of all that was the most complicated, um, you know, making sure you didn't cut off access the San Diego River Bridge is a um, through girder design, um, and so there are some pretty big um, steel girders. I, I think 11, the bottom bottom to top, probably 11 feet. So, um, you know, some pretty heavy loads um, had had to get down into into the river. Now the the river um, during the the summer is really they have what's called a low flow channel, so there's not a lot of water in there. So again, though we're we're having to um, work during the summer to do that, um, so it's just all the staging and and um, you know making sure that um, we have appropriate uh, access roads and crane pads, and make sure everything um, you know goes smoothly. So you guys, this is complete, right? This project? Uh, yeah, it's substantially complete. Yeah. The the, um, the all the rail traffic is moving. We're just you know doing punch list and some street improvements at this point. So, tell tell me what this project means for the traveling public. 
So, um, yeah, so for from so the the operator for the light rail or trolley is MTS. And I saw a stat said that on opening day, you know, their the ridership increased like 74 percent. So this is a huge, um, you know, added, um, um, you know, segment for them. Um, they now, the riders can go down from the border all the way up to the, the area called UTC. So that really opens up the region. Um, and then the other thing is, um, you know, there is a stop on um, UCSD campus and also on um, some other college campuses. So it, it allows students to to get around um, a lot easier as well. So, I mean, they they tout this as, uh, you know, um, a significant uh, improvement to their existing system. Eric, I appreciate your time and your insight. Is there anything else you want to add? Is there anything that I might have missed that you think is deserves mention? Yeah, I mean, I think really, um, you know, this is a big job. It's going to be construction is going to be close to 1.5 billion with um, multiple projects underneath it. Lots of lots of stakeholders. You know, the key stakeholders are of course Sandag. They're the owner. MTS is the operator of the trolley, but then you've got NCTD is the, the heavy rail operator. Um, also, we had to work with Caltrans and um, UCSD since a big portion of the project went through UCSD campus. And I, I think at the end of the day, all, all the stakeholders, you know, um, were very good to work with. I, you know, the owner, the engineer, everybody really, you know, rolled up their sleeves, took a project first mentality and, and you know, did what they, they had to do to get this project done and on time. And, you know, there were there were no fewer issues on this project than any other mega project. Just everybody really, um, you know, worked to solve the issues um, and, and took that project first mentality. While the interview was playing there, I was still trying to figure out names for this time of year to celebrate the RTNS top projects and really did not come up with it. Well, I came up with something, but it's worse than the first one that I said earlier, so you really don't want to hear it. Anyways, Midcoast Transit Constructors, they should have a street named after them, after the work they did on the Midcoast Corridor projects. I would like to thank Eric Miesgeier for joining me today and talking about this RTNS top project. If you have a project you think is worth a talk, worth a podcast, worth a story, give me an email. I'm at wwilson at sbpub.com. We'd love to hear from you. Again, thanks to Eric Miesgeier. And for Rail Group On Air, I am Bill Wilson, and I will see you down the line.